Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about the downsides of exercising to lose weight, because there are some. Now, I wanna start off by saying exercising is great. So I'm not saying don't exercise. I'm saying if you're gonna start exercising intensely in order to lose weight or you think you need to, uh, you don't. And there's a downside to it, a couple of them. And I wanna go through them because uh, you've got options. And <laughs> the more options, the better. So there, the first big downside of exercising comes from a cognitive bias that we all have called the licensing effect, or sometimes called moral licensing. And what it means is that a lot of times humans, uh, once they've done something good, moral, or virtuous, will follow it up by doing something not good, moral, and virtuous. And so how that plays out with exercising is a lot of times people go and they start exercising, and in their mind, they're kind of like, wow, I just burned a thousand calories. And they say, okay, so I could have this, you know, this snack. It's only 300 calories. When in reality, it was the other way around, you know, the, the, cal the snack was a thousand calories and they only burned 300 calories. So this is very difficult not to do. You know, it's just, it's, it's hardwired and that's why we call it a cognitive bias. It's very difficult when you do something difficult, like getting yourself to exercising if you haven't been doing it. Um, it's difficult to get, put all that energy in and do it and then not feel, not kind of over, uh, estimate what you did there and then again bring that into your reading and actually end up eating more you know th than you would have if you didn't exercise so that's one thing you want to be on the lookout for and it's very sneaky so we can be careful of that that's something also can, can affect intermittent fasters as well um, where they don't eat for a long period of time and they're really focused on doing that and then when they do start eating they kind of overeat because they're not you know again that, that moral licensing thing comes in again and it literally affects the way you see things okay um, the next thing is when you start, like if you haven't really been exercising and all of a sudden you start exercising, another thing you're probably going to find is that you get hungrier, you know? So uh, you want to be careful of that because a lot of times we're exercising to burn calories, but now it's triggering us to be hungrier. And so then we go and eat and we're actually, again, eating more than we actually burned because we're hungrier. We're not used to that. Uh, so be careful of that one. Uh, and then the final one that's really a big one is that if you haven't been exercising, well, actually, I guess there's two more. Um, but they're kind of the same, is the energy usage. And so the first one is that clearly, um, yes, when you work out, you're going to get hungrier most likely. Uh, but the other side is that you got to watch out for your body, you know, because if you haven't been exercising, all of a sudden you go into it challenging, you know, a lot of exercising, the chance of you hurting yourself, becoming sore, becoming tired, go way up. And if you hurt yourself, if you're in pain, if you're tired, all of those things lead to being hungrier and overeating typically. Okay, so be careful of that. And the third one that kind of built on top of that is the willpower. So if you're going to get yourself to start exercising, it takes a lot of willpower and focus to get yourself to do it. And now you want to understand that willpower is like a muscle. And so if you use all that energy up to get yourself to exercise, there's going to be less of it for you to manage your reading. So there's a lot of factors. This is why, I mean, to be completely honest, I don't recommend, if someone hasn't been exercising, I do not recommend exercising to them um, when they first want to start losing weight. Now, again, like I want to make clear, I'm talking about intense exercising, um, going for walks, doing light exercising, I think is great because it doesn't have those. They're easier to do. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't build up the hunger, all the rest of it. I'm talking about thinking in your mind that you need to start going to the gym and working out hard in order to lose weight. Uh, because a lot of times, again, it, it's a balancing thing. There's a lot of negatives that come with that experience and you want to be aware of those. And so what I would suggest, again, if you don't like exercising, I got good news for you because <laughs> I don't either. And so I lost weight and managed it without doing any exercising, intense exercising. Um, I did a lot of movement. I do a lot of yoga, you know, gentle, easy stuff. 
Um, but I really have not done a lot of difficult physical, physical things. And so I want to make this crystal clear that you do not need to exercise in order to lose weight. It really comes down to calories. And if you take all that energy that you would put into exercising and you put it into reducing the calories that you typically consume, you're going to lose weight and you're probably going to lose weight in a much easier way. And a lot of times when you fixate on the eating more than the exercising piece, usually that's a more long-term strategy because for a majority of people, and I don't want to sound negative here, but for a majority of people, that exercising, especially if it's intense, is not going to be something that's going to last as long as really mastering your reading. So, you know, those are just some things to think about. And again, the big picture is to realize that when it comes to your weight, it's really about figuring out what works for you. And if you, in your mind, believe you have to do something to lose weight that you absolutely dread and hate, um, then you're not going to do it. And so that's not a good strategy. So if you feel that way, take a step back and find some other alternatives because there's better ways to make that happen, right? That then feeling like we're locked into just doing one way and it's a miserable way we don't like. Because one of the first things you've got to accomplish is that you've got to find a path that works for you. Because if it's miserable to you and you don't like it, you're not going to do it for long. And what's the point? So you're better off taking a little bit of time and figuring out what, what does resonate with me? What does work for me? Okay. Um, but again, the ultimate thing is to remember that you do not need to do extreme exercises to lose weight. Now, I want to just kind of cap this off of one last thought uh, is that study wise, you know, it, it seems that exercise a lot of times is correlated with long term weight loss. But I like to reframe exercise into activity. Okay. And to broaden that scope, you know, so we're not just talking about going to a gym and doing typical exercise like we see, difficult, hard work. Um, but if you start focusing more on activity, moving more, right, moving your body more, and that could be a wider thing. It could be doing, you know, chores more. It could be going for walks, riding your bike, dancing, doing some martial arts. There's just a bunch of things that, because a lot of times with exercise, it's like it's just about working out, right? You're walking on a treadmill, you're doing a stair thing, you're doing lifting weights, and it's like you're there and you're just doing physical exercise. And for a lot of people, that context to that is very boring. And so if you can get yourself to find things where you're more active, that are more engaging mentally, you know, and have more context to them, like dancing, martial arts, you're walking, riding bikes, things like that, there's a little more going on, your chance of continuing that goes way up. And there's a lot of side benefits to that as well. In addition to just calories being burned, again, improves mood, you know, it optimizes mental functioning, helps your metabolism, makes you feel better, all the rest of it, okay? So take these things into account and again, make your own path, figure out your own way and realize there really are no right or wrongs when it comes to weight loss. There's only what works for you, right? Um, so if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, Mishikam, how you doing? Oh, we got a Friday afternoon here. <laughs> Someone says, how often would you recommend drinking alcohol, not drinking alcohol? Yeah, it's a great question. I've, I've thought about this a lot. My own kind of history is, is there been a little bit of issue with binge drinking and stuff. So that was one of the first things I really dealt with. Um, now, at the same time where I was out of control with the drinking, I also never, I just never, I never felt comfortable like identifying as an alcoholic um, I never felt comfortable. I never felt like I just wanted to stop drinking completely. That, that just didn't resonate with me. You know, again, that goes back to the idea that whatever you're going to do, I think you always ought to bounce it off of, does that resonate with me? Does that feel like that's what I want to do? Um, now, that being said, I think with alcohol, where I'm at now, and I, I feel very, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with my relationship with alcohol at this point. I could see at some point I won't drink any alcohol at all. Uh, but for right now, I drink alcohol uh, two nights a week usually. I might have a drink a third night, you know, one drink. And I'm very, very 
kind of specific with it. I, I, I honor alcohol. That might sound weird, but, but I'm very respectful of it. Uh, and I enjoy it, but I'm also very, I'm very aware of it. And so again, like, like tonight I'll have some drinks, but I'll never drink more than like four drinks in a night, you know, and usually I'm drinking two, three drinks, you know, when I do, uh, and when I do that, I'm drinking more water. You know, there's a lot of other factors I'm going into as well. So I think that that's a question everyone has to kind of answer for themselves. Uh, now I will also tell you for me, the alcohol is, is separate from the food, meaning that when I drink alcohol, it, it in no way increases my food consumption. And that's not how it used to be, right? I used to be binge drinking. I was drinking all the time. And that was absolutely causing me to eat a lot more. And so uh, when I drink now, it, it doesn't influence my food consumption at all. And so I think that's another thing to think about. Um, everyone, you know, alcohol affects people differently. People use it differently and all the rest of it. So that's really a question you kind of have to answer. Um, but I would say this, if you want to lose weight, the less alcohol you drink, the easier your weight loss is going to be. I would say just as a general rule, um, for obvious reasons, you know, there's less calories, A, and B, that's, B, there's more mental mental control, right? There's, there's, there's less inhibitions when we, you know, we lose our inhibitions. Uh, so there's more control over your eating and influence you have over your eating when you're not drinking. And then the third thing is the, the blood sugar effect, you know, so d depending on what you're drinking, you know, the, these, the alcohol can, can wreak havoc on your uh, blood sugar. You know, and so it can spike it and then crash it. When that crash comes, in addition to lowered inhibitions, that can be a trigger for overeating and eating the wrong foods. So these are all things you got to pay attention to. Again, for me, I've got it all structured. I've, I've figured all this stuff out where I will drink, but I have, again, the eating is not influenced at all by that. I'm not eating more when I'm, when I'm drinking. Uh, so that's a key part. And that's something I worked on. Okay. Um, thanks. So on a night when you do consume four drinks, is there anything you can do to avoid gaining? Uh, okay. That's a good point. You know, the way I think of it, you know, so, so this is a little different and program yourself. Then we really talk about having like a five, two eating structure for the week, right? Five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. And so the alcohol comes to turn the two days of pleasure eating. Um, and, and I don't, I don't consume any calories liquid wise other than alcohol, uh, two nights a week. And so I, so it's funny, like I almost don't, I, I think of like the alcohol, like a food almost. And it's, 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 it's just, uh, okay, well, let's talk about Weight Watch. I'll, I'll kind of put it in this point. It's almost like, like I got points kind of, right? In my mind, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, today's a Friday. I have a good sense of what I'm going to eat on a Friday, consume on a Friday, I'll say, okay? Because there is the liquid calories on a Friday and Saturday that aren't there the other days. And so in my mind, I know the calories I'm going to consume food-wise, alcohol-wise, and it's all just structured there. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big believer in structuring your calories, you know, structuring your eating and structuring your calorie consumption so that it becomes structured, you know, and again, there's different structures, clean eating, pleasure eating, but that you structure both of those. There's, I have clean structures and I have pleasure structures and they're very similar week after week. Okay. And, uh, so, so that's how I deal with that. You know, I know just like the food I'm going to eat, I know I'm going to have three or four drinks. I know what those drinks are. I know how they impact me in all the different ways, calorie wise, inhibition wise, hunger the next day wise. I know what all those things are. And so they're all, I've figured them all out. And if I consistently follow the structure that I follow, I stay at the same weight I'm at. And so I hope that makes sense. Cause I know it's a little bit different than a lot of people don't structure their eating. You know, a lot of people, one of the key things, and I think is why people, most people 
fail to lose weight and master their weight is that they don't have, they don't rely on structures. I rely on structures because I'm focused on the subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is the part of the view that runs all your habitual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, brushing your teeth, right? That's a behavior that you don't have to think about all the time. You just do it on autopilot. So there's a part of your mind that runs that. And so I really rely on that part. I, to master my weight, I have reprogrammed my subconscious mind to do the things that keep me at my goal weight. Now, most people, what they're doing is they're trying to use their conscious willpower to consciously try and make the right decisions all the time. And it's overwhelming, which is why most people can't do it. So again, I really build around a structure that runs mostly on autopilot. And I'm there watching, I'm aware of it, but it's mostly just running on autopilot. And that makes everything a lot easier. So I hope that makes sense. Um, high alcohol absolutely leads to poor food choices. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Mine doesn't. You know, now it used to. Again, I I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I'll just get loaded, and then we would be eating. It would, it would be second, third dinner. I mean, we'd be. I'd get like two cheesesteak grinders out. I, I mean, it was it was bonkers. <laughs> so, um, I I hear that, but you know, so so how do I do that? Well, part of it was I reduce the. Con you know, I don't drink as much. <laughs> that was, that's the big part. Um, so I stay more in control and it doesn't have the same impact on me. Um, the other piece though, is that I structure it. I know, I, I know like I, I'll get out of here today and I'll have, I'll have a drink. Then I'll go to dinner and I'll have a drink maybe. And then I'll go someplace else. I might have one or two, you know? So again, I'm right at the three, four. And so I know how those lay out. I know how it affects me and how it affects my eating. So this comes out, I, I mean, what I'm saying I'm kind of just, I'm telling you what I'm saying, but I'm not giving you all the structure of what's happening there. And that's the real secret to it all. And it's, it's the alcohol is no different than the food. When you start to structure things, because you're pattern oriented, you know, everything you're doing is pretty much got a pattern to it. And so when you say like my alcohol absolutely leads to poor food choices, it's a whole pattern. And so part of it is not drinking as much. So you're more in control. That's part of it. The other part is what do you do when you drink? We associate things together because you could take alcohol right out of it. A lot of people's worst habit is that it gets to be eight o'clock at night and they want to sit on the sofa and eat ice cream. So there's no alcohol there, but they just associate those things together. So you see what I'm saying? So there's the physical mental effects of the alcohol, but there's also the conditioned association you have to, oh, when I drink, oh, I'm going to go get a, you know, a pizza or when I drink, oh, I'm going to go with the raid the pantry. So, that, so you know I mean, like there, there's two big parts to that. And so you can drink less and that's part of it. But the other more important part is that when you, when you drink alcohol, um, you break that association that when I drink, I eat. And, and that's another part of it. And, and it takes some practice. I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you just because I told you that now that's the end of it. But, but that's the, the process that I use to get to have control when I drink. Um, I started the 5-2 structure eating after finding you and it really is the best way for me. That's awesome, Don. Yeah, the 5-2 thing is the shit. I mean, that is, there's so much psychology and strategy in that 5-2 approach that it is, it's really the cornerstone eating of, of the whole program. And it's very unique. And, and the whole program's unique because <laughs> it's built on like real practical solutions. And the 5-2 is a practical, like real solution for long-term success. Most weight loss strategies are really just built for the short term. You know, try and lose weight as quick as possible. The 5-2 plan is really built for long-term success. Is there such a thing as leptin resistance? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. However, the leptin resistance seems, seems to be something that is more impactful for people that are obese. And so I don't know, I have not seen a lot of studies in terms of leptin resistance um, with, you know, overweight, you know, people under that obese category. But, but leptin resistance is real for sure. And so you can eat a lot and not feel satisfied. 
right? That, that's what, how leptin resistance shows up. And so, you know, there's ways to deal with it. Again, understanding that, you know, so I work with some um, obese clients. And, and so it's important to understand, you know, when you eat, your body is telling you you haven't had enough when you have. That, that's part of what you're dealing with at this point. And um, it's a real factor. And so, but there's ways to manage it too, you know. Uh, should kids be worried about weight, weight loss? That's a great question. And I think, uh, I, I think there's ways... I mean, I say no in a lot of ways because I don't, I don't think kids have the the psychology to really understand it in a, in a healthy way. You know, once you start, oh, you should lose weight, it always just seems like it turns out bad and it's not effective. Is usually what I see. Now that being said, I think that you can focus more on behaviors and lifestyle habits that 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 are, that are correlate with with healthier weights. You see, so I would I would rather with a kid, and I have kids. I, I would prefer to frame that in terms of being healthy, is, is what I would rather do. You know, but that's just my opinion. So, should kids be worried about? I mean, if the kid if a kid's you know very overweight, I, I think that's a problem. You know, because it's 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 gonna be it could potentially be a lifelong problem. It could life potentially shorten their life. You know, and reduce their quality of life during those times. So. Um, it, it's a factor for sure. I think it's the way you want to address it. And I think that when it comes to kids, I would probably, you know, usually opt to frame it in terms of health, you know, what's healthy, what these foods do to your body, not in terms of weight. Uh, cause the things that the foods that cause you to gain weight, a lot of times are foods that also are unhealthy for you for a bunch of reasons. And so if we want to frame it in terms of weight, I don't like that. I don't like that anyways. <laughs> trying to lose weight, you know, you don't realize this, but trying to motivate yourself and say, oh, I just want to lose weight, I just want to lose weight. That's almost never enough motivation, you know? You don't have a biological mechanism in your body that wants you to lose weight, you know? Do you understand that? You you should understand that because even you as, as a adult, you think like you're always like, oh, I just want to lose weight, I just want to lose weight, I just want to lose weight. Your body and brain do not want you to lose weight. They want you to put as much weight on as possible. And so that's why I always say the very first thing we do in the program is talk about motivation because most people are not motivated to lose weight. I mean, if you're watching this right now, if you're struggling with your weight and you're not losing weight, it's because you're not motivated to lose weight. You don't want to lose weight. You wish you'd lose weight, right? You kind of fantasize and imagine, oh, it'd be great, it'd be great. And so your wish is 10 out of 10, but you're wanting to actually do it is very low. And, and that's the first thing, that's the first hurdle you got to overcome is that you don't even want to lose weight. So motivation is where we start. And, um, you know, once you know how to motivate yourself, the whole process becomes a lot easier. But most people do not know how to motivate themselves. And it's because they focus just on the scale. They focus just on the weight loss piece of it. And that's just not enough motivation. Um, I always say you got to take your weight loss and wrap it in personal development. you got to make this process about becoming the best version of you, not just losing weight. They're two totally different things. And the personal development framing is much more impactful and powerful. So anyways. Uh, how often would you recommend weighing yourself? And if it's once a week, when in the week? Uh, well, okay. So my opinion on this is that I, if I, when I wanted to lose weight, when I was losing weight, I dropped 50 pounds. When I was actively losing weight, I weighed myself every day. And that's what I recommend to people. Um, now my number one rule in program yourself thin is that there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. So I have people in the program. They're like, I hate the scale. I'm getting rid of it. It's too emotional. Is it great? You do what you want to do, okay? So I support anything. There's a thing called the weight registry study, which is, uh, I think it's over 40,000 people now. People that had lost weight and kept it off for, for years. And they just, it's a study about like, what, what do they do? What, what are the commonalities? And so one of the things is like, 
I think like 60, 66% of them weigh themselves every day. But that also means 34% of them are not weighing themselves every day and getting results. You see, so, so there's always what works for you. But in defense of weighing yourself every day, there's a couple things I like about it. The first thing I like about weighing yourself every day is that you start to understand your body better. Uh, I was shocked when I started weighing myself every day, I was shocked at the variations that could happen in weight just in a day. And I don't know why, salt, water, whatever. Um, but my, my weight could change five pounds in a day, 24 hours. And uh, that, was, that was really crazy to me. But the other thing I learned that was really valuable is I realized that like if I started eating well, it would usually take a couple of weeks for the weight to show up, like the weight loss to show up consistently. Again, the weight always fluctuated, but it would kind of take two weeks for the weight to, cons like I could tell, okay, now it's, it's lowered, you know? And that was one of the most valuable things I learned out of that because even now I really have a two week time frame in my mind where if I start eating better and I want, if I want to lose weight and I start eating better, I give myself two weeks before I expect to see any results. And if I start to eat poorly, and I step on the scale, I'm in my mind, I'm like, that's not going to show up for two weeks. And that has been very, very helpful to me because a lot of people don't have any, you don't even know. Everyone's body is different. You know, they, they, that's one thing I could tell you for sure. They've done studies uh, where they bring people into a lab for 30, 60 days, and they're literally measuring every single calorie they're doing. They're measuring like how much exercise they're doing. It's very, very scientific. And what you find at the end of the study is that people lose weight drastically different. Some people lose a lot of weight. Some people lose a little bit of weight. And so every body is different. And so in your mind, you've got this framing. I, I almost guarantee you, you're thinking two pounds a week, somewhere around there. And you're thinking that because of just a lifetime of dieting, marketing bullshit. And you don't even know your body, perhaps. You know, you may not even understand what your weight fluctuations are. You may not know how long it takes your body to lose weight. What if you're a slow losing body? So what? You just got to readjust your expectations. If you got a slow losing, a slow losing body and you're thinking you're going to lose two pounds a week, how many weeks are you going to be doing until you're completely discouraged? You know, this is such an important conversation. And I don't know how you get to the answer without weighing yourself regularly. Okay. Um, so, so that's, and, and then one other piece of that, just technically with the scale, is that if you weigh yourself once a week, especially if you're a woman, I mean, geez, one Monday to the next Monday, who knows? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if, let's just say, so I, my weight would fluctuate five pounds. Let's just say your weight fluctuates three pounds, potentially a day. It could. And so let's say you weigh yourself um, when you've lost, you're, you're three pounds down. So that's your first weighing. And the next week you go weigh yourself and you're three pounds up. And now it looks like you gained six pounds, <laughs> right? And now you're just devastated. You're like, oh, I ate better and everything was better. And what the hell happened? You know, but if you weighed yourself the next day, you might found that you came down four pounds. <laughs> so, so this is all I'm saying. So without... If you're not weighing yourself every day, so this is why I would say it's almost like you're better off weighing yourself every day or just not using the scale at all. And if you're want, actively wanting to lose weight, I don't know why you wouldn't want to use the scale. I do, and we talk about that in a second. So, so that's why I'm a. I, I believe in weighing myself every day, but that's that's my opinion. Now, the second thing I like about the scale is that it, it brings you face to face with all that emotional bullshit. You know, if you're so scared to get on the scale, to me, that's just evidence of of, of a deep seated fear that is going to prevent your success or at least, you know, sabotage a lot of the results in, in an ideal sense, in an ideal world. I know this may sound like a stretch for you, but ideally you want to, you want to look at that scale. Like it's the speedometer of your car, you know, where it's like, if you look at your speedometer, you're not scared to look at your speedometer. I mean, you're, you're speeding, you slow down. If you're going too slow, you speed up, you just adjust. And that's where ideally you would like the scale to be where it's this unemotional thing where it's just a, a measurement tool. And whatever the measurement says just helps you, you know, adjust and readjust where you go from there. And so 
that's how I kind of look at that. Uh, a, a lot of people disagree with me and that, that's fine. You know, again, there's no right or wrong with this. Uh, but I just speak my piece, you know, that, that's what I think. And that's what I did. And that worked for me. So anyways, going to Ringo star show tonight, do absolutely using freedom. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm busy programming myself then. <laughs> that's awesome. Good job, Don. Uh, you're onto it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So how do you start to understand what is water weight and what is real weight? Well, that, I mean, how would you, how would you understand if you don't weigh yourself every day? You know, because what's water weight, all that bullshit. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. But I know like, and that's a way to overcome a lot of the emotional stuff. Because think about it. Like, what is that emotional stuff for you? Right? That fear of stepping on the scale. What are you scared of? That it's going to be higher than you thought? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it just, it reveals that there's all this, like a, an abundance of like anxiety and tension and emotion about that scale. Like what? I, I don't know. Like, like to me that I, w I don't want that, you know? And so if you weigh yourself every day, what happens is you just, it just becomes part, you know what I mean? Like you, you remove all that emotion from it because first off, when you start doing it every day, there's no wild fluctuations. I mean, I was gonna say, well, five pounds, but again, what happens is you go five pounds up, five pounds down and the next day you're back to whatever. So, you know, even the fluctuations like that, you just normalize to, and those are unusual. Um, but what happens is you get, you get comfortable. You, I think you start to, you know, there's so much like weird denial and, and like shame and embarrassment and, and fear around weight loss in, in your weight. And I think coming face to face with the truth is always a good thing. It removes a lot of that emotional turmoil that's that's under the surface that's impacting you. And if you step on the scale every day, you start to really and I think there's another benefit is I think every day you step on that scale, you reinforce subconsciously this is important to me. This is something I'm working on. And so you step on the scale and you, and you make peace with the weight it says. And you step on the scale and you make peace with, and the biggest thing, I didn't even mention this. The biggest thing I learned from stepping on the scale every day is you start to realize what impacts what, you know? And, and, and you start to get a sense of how your body operates. What is water weight? What's salt weight? What is fluctuations? What's not? What did I eat yesterday? What, all this stuff starts going together and you start creating some cause and effect. Whereas if you never step on the scale, you can't do that. And if you step on the scale once a week, there's too much going on. You can't really do that. Yeah, it removes the emotion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if it's higher, it would affect my day, for example. But yes, you're right. You would have to remove the emotion. That's what I mean. Yeah, because I know how it is. Like you step on the scale and it's higher and the whole day's destroyed, you know? And, and you step on the scale and it's lower and you're excited. And so there's so much of that emotion, you know, that I feel like you got to work through. I, I get to the point where you just don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like you just step on it. It's like, it is what it is. And uh, I want it to go lower. Cool. And it just... I don't know. You just habituate to it. Just It becomes like the speedometer of the car. That's all I can say. And it becomes useful, you know, because I think it it elevates subconsciously. It elevates the importance of it. If you're stepping on the scale every day, you're you're pushing that that goal of your weight and mastering it. You're pushing to the front of your awareness. There's no doubt about that. And um, and I think it helps you make subconscious connections and, and just, it makes you think about it more. And so, so I like it, but as I said, you know, there's plenty of clients I've had that have been successful that don't use the scale and they do it more intuitively. Um, how the clothes fit, how do I look, how do I feel all that? And that's fine too. You know? So again, it, it's up for everyone to decide. Um, so do you think getting on every day encourages you to make better decisions? I do. I mean, it definitely did for me because it keeps it front of mind, you know? So it's like, if you step on the scale every day, it's like you start, you know, there's a question I, I always I always ask and I always encourage my clients to ask themselves, and it's, do I even want to lose weight? 
you know, because you have to ask that question a lot. A lot of people, it's kind of like what I was just saying. A lot of people just assume they want to lose weight and you, you, that's the worst assumption you're making. Cause you don't want to lose weight. If, if you're, if you're not actively losing weight right now, you don't want to lose weight. You've got to recognize that distinction. I know you wish you'd lose weight. You wish you'd wake up tomorrow and do the right things eating and start losing weight. You wish you would do it 10 out of 10, but your want is probably like a three out of 10. You know, you just think about it all the time. You just fantasize about it all the time. You're not actually doing things to make it happen. And just stepping on the scale is a step in the right direction. Because even if you just step on the scale every day, it's bringing it front of mind. Do I even, what do I, how do I feel about this? What do I want to do? You know, it's the littlest thing you can do. To just, are you serious or are you not serious, you know, about it? And I think that it just, it's, it's a behavior, I think, that sends a very, so programming yourself then is not just self-hypnotic programming. It's not just hypnosis. It's all, there's all kinds of things you can do to program yourself. And I think stepping on a scale is one of them, you know, because it's just, it's a, this is important. It's like, if you want to make more money, I think looking at your bank account and being real aware of what the money is instead of going to denial, right? It's the same thing. Money and weight are so related. It's, it's funny, but it's like when we don't have enough, you have to understand your weight is a source of stress for you, right? You, you've, you've tried losing weight, you haven't lost it, you felt bad about your weight. And so a lot of times subconsciously, when you think about your weight, it creates a state of stress, which is another way to say to activate your par your sympathetic nervous system. And you're not, when, you, when your sympathetic fight, flight, or freeze response is activated, the blood goes from your brain down to your body. So you're not thinking as clearly. And you're very irrational and you're very emotional. And that's how you are with your weight loss. That's why diets work because you get so upset, you step on the scale, you see the picture of yourself, you get really upset, you say, that's it, I gotta lose the weight. And then you start some crazy plan and it doesn't last long, whatever. But you are so emotional, you're not making logical decisions. So when you calm down and you weigh yourself every day, you start, it's like exposure therapy in a way. You start to like just, you start to interface with your weight. But if you keep doing that, eventually you get to the point where you say, okay, and you just calm down. Then you start using your fucking brain, which you ain't using. You ain't using your brain when it comes to weight loss, I guarantee you. And um, now you start using your resources and your creativity and your clarity and your logic and your rationality to create strategy systems to master your weight. Not like the tactic of, oh, I'm just going to do keto. Oh, I'm going to intermittent fast. I'm going to do this one thing. You can do one thing. Your, your eating and your weight is like, it's so embedded in so many different things. You need a comprehensive plan to master your weight. And program yourself then. There's a mindset blueprint, an eating blueprint, and a lifestyle blueprint. You know, you need these three things. And you need to master them in order to have any chance of mastering your weight. You know, the diet thing is like one tactic that you're going to do for a little while and lose some weight. And then you put it back on because you didn't really make any profound, deep changes. So, anywho's, um, Grace says, I've been in a calorie deficit for three months and I haven't lost anything, any tips. Yeah, this happens. Um, I mean, the first step, and I, I, I hate to do this to you, but it's just the most common thing is that how do you know you're in a calorie deficit? You know, and, and I, I know no one like, I know you don't like when I say that, and I understand that. Um, but 95% of the time when people aren't losing weight over three months. Now, if you're in a calorie deficit for a month, I'd say that's not enough time. A month's not enough time, folks. You know, your, your time frames are so short, and that's one of the biggest problems you have. But anyways, so three months, that's a while. If you haven't lost any weight being in a calorie deficit for three months, my first thought is that you're not really in a calorie deficit. So don't get mad with me. I, I know it upsets you when I say that, um, but it's probably the truth that, you know, the challenge is, you know, when you're trying to do this on your own, it is a challenge. I'll give you an example, right? So it's like, if you close one eye and look at your nose, you see it, close your other eye, look at your nose, you see it, but open both eyes, 
your nose disappears, right? Your brain deletes it. So there's no value in seeing it. Your brain is always deleting, distorting, and generalizing things. And there's a good chance that you're eating more than you think you are. A good chance. And so um, if that's not the case, you know, th there's other reasons, but that's probably the case. <laughs> so we'll see if you, if you respond to that and tell me you're doing. Great explanations. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, lost count of how many diets I've done. Your info is beyond informative. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I get it. I mean, yeah, that, that's every client I work with. They, I always joke. I mean, you know, the, the hypnotist is the solution of last resort, right? <laughs> no one starts with the hypnotist, you know, and, um, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. So, you know, I, I get to help people. I love it. I mean, all my clients, most of my clients are in their 40s, 50s, 60s because they tried all the diets. Um, it's not when they don't work either. That's the problem. The problem is when the diet works and they lose the weight and then they put it back on. That's usually, you know, most people can only handle that once or twice because it's so devastating. And worst off, it creates this belief subconsciously that well, what's the point? Even when I lose the weight, I still fail. You know, and once you start having that belief, it's very difficult to get started with anything. And so a lot of my clients are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they think about weight loss all the time, but they can't get themselves to start a plan because they have a deep seated belief that the diets don't work. You know, what's the point? And the big problem for most people is, and this is intentional. I mean, the diet, the diet industry is enormous. You know, I always think of the obesity conspiracy is three main players, the food companies, the diets, which are the same as the food companies, and the medical establishment. Well, the food companies, obviously, we understand how they're contributing. The diets are the same things as the food companies. You know, Weight Watchers was owned by Heinz. Jenny Craig was owned by Nestle. The company that owns uh, Atkins Food Products, the same company that owns Onions, Pretzels, and Cinnabon. The company that owns Slim Fast, the same company that owns uh, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. You know, these companies don't want you to lose weight. They're just, it's just one more bullshit thing they do to make it feel like you're doing something for it, but it doesn't work. And then the medical establishment, listen, the whole thing's built around treating symptoms. They ain't looking for the cure. They'd rather come up with a medicine to help deal with type 2 diabetes than help you not get it in the first place. And so you're really left on your own. And so a lot of clients I get, they're successful, they're smart, intelligent, um, but they can't get control of their weight. And they think about it 24 hours a day, they can't get themselves to take action. And it's because you don't have a good strategy. You know, all you have, you know, if you ask a hundred people how to lose weight, they're going to tell you diets, surgery, medicine, that's it. No one's saying mindset. What, what is even a mindset program out there? Can you even name one? And that's the craziest part because your mindset's the biggest thing impacting your weight, bigger than your hormones, bigger than your insulin resistance, bigger than your menopause, bigger than your Hashimoto's, your PCOS, all of it. Your mindset's the number one thing affecting your weight and you never work on that. And I don't blame you. There's nothing out there. I've been doing this for 30 years personally, 20 years professionally. I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions. This is, what, this is what I do. Read 50 books a year. I'm obsessed with this stuff. And I've had to create the plan myself. I've spent over 20 grand like on my own weight, my own certification, understanding all this stuff. And so I had to kind of create it myself because there, you name, name one place. <laughs> I, I don't, who's talking about mindset in any sort of like systematic, practical way that you can use to, to move towards your goal? And this is all I do. And so, you know, I get everyone comes to me and they're like, I, I've done everything. No matter what I do, nothing works. I've tried everything. Nothing works. You haven't tried everything. You've got to banish that thought from your mind. You haven't tried everything. Have you tried? Okay. Yeah. Noom. And I don't think Noom, I don't buy Noom. I think Noom is a bunch of psychological factoids and calorie counting. You know, I don't think that Noom is, is very practical in any way. I think it's just more information. And here's the problem. Here, here's the biggest thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you and you buy into it or you don't. Information does not equal behavior. 
th- th- remember this. Because if I ask you, do you know how to write with your hand? You, you, you know how to write, right? You can write a sentence. You can write a paragraph. You can write a whole page if you wanted to. You know everything there is to know how to write. Could you do it with the other hand, though? No. So knowing how to do something and being able to do it are two totally different things. And so even Noom, I'll, I'll give you that. They go with the psychology, but they're just giving you facts. Just giving you factoids. Oh, this, 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 this. this. That's not going to help you change. So it's the process of how do you get yourself to actually think, feel, behave like a thin version, thin, healthy version of yourself. What strategy do you have? And I don't see anyone with any strategies out there. I, I mean, I see me, <laughs> you know. So what's my strategy? Let me just give you an example of what I mean. So my program, first of all, I think you got to think different. I think that's the number one thing you got to change if you want to master your weight. So how do you make that happen? Do I teach you stuff? Yeah, obviously. But I know the most important thing is you practicing it. So how do you practice it? How do you practice being a thin person when you've been overweight your whole life? How do you do it? Well, I'll tell you what I've come up with <laughs> is that as soon as you get my program, it's delivered through the phone. So you wake up tomorrow morning, there's a message from me, an eight-week program. So you wake up tomorrow morning and there's a message from me, you click on it and it opens up a five-minute hypnosis session. Every day you get a different five-minute hypnosis session with a different weight loss mantra in it. And so you relax, you calm down, you connect to your goal, you get a new thought in your mind to think like a thin person. And then you go about your day. But now you're feeling different, thinking different. And then at night you come home and you get another message. Hey, do you program yourself thin technique? It's a two-minute self-hypnotic programming technique where you do a redo rehearsal. It's really easy. And you, again, you clarify and connect to the person you want to be. And then there's a sleep gnosis session, a 10-minute session at night that you can listen to if you want to. Again, with another core weight loss mantra in it as you drift off to sleep. And then there's blueprints. How do you want to behave? Right? I could give you all the facts in the world. You need to create, I think, your own blueprint. There's a mindset blueprint, a lifestyle blueprint, and an eating blueprint for how you want to think, live, and eat that fits for you to live at your goal weight. So, you know, it, it's real stuff. And then there's coaching. You know, there's me coaching you because even, you know, even if I just give you the information, teach you the techniques, like the coaching thing is the most valuable. I, I can, you know, I, I can see what's, I can see your main limiting belief and problem in about two seconds. I and mean, this is what I do. My favorite thing, you know, because this is the thing, your biggest challenge is, well, you're, you're motivated, you're all or nothing. You know, so as soon as like a mistake happens, you don't know what to do. And program yourself then is built around mistakes. What do you do when you have a mistake? When you make a mistake, eat too much, all the rest of it. And, um, you know, that's the most important skill you need to develop. And so there's a strategy for it. So anyways, uh, thoughts on intermittent fasting. Do you recommend intermittent fasting? It's so funny. I mean, intermittent fasting, right? It's the thing. It's, you know, it's always something. You know, that's what it is for me. It's always something different. So what do I think about intermittent fasting? Now I intermittent fast, but I do it differently than a lot of people. And someone I saw wrote that, that, and I think that's the, the quick answer. You know, if it's sustainable for you, it's best. Great. Yeah, if it's sustainable for you. And if you hate it and you dread it, then it's horrible. You know, intermittent fasting is just a strategy to consume less calories. That's all it is. And so for as many people as it may work for, there's just many people it doesn't work for. And so there's no right or wrong with things. There's only, again, I want to bring you to a deeper point that there's no right or wrong. It's only what works for you. And so it's a little bit of a longer path to create the plan that's customized around you. But once you've done that, you have a plan that's custom made for you. And as you can imagine, when you have a plan that's customized around your lifestyle, your preferences, uh, what you know, what you like to do, um, what fits for you, then it's gonna be a lot easier to maintain. 
Like I can sit here and tell you my mindset, lifestyle, and eating strategies are customized for me. So I love, I love them. I love it. Every day I love it. I, I, I want to live this way for the next hundred years. You know, I'm not looking at like, oh, Chris, another, another month. And then I get to, then I've lost the weight. I, I'm not white knuckling it. I, I love living this way. And I love living this way because it's not just that I'm able to master my weight. It allows me to be the best version of myself that I can be. It allows me to be the best father I can be, the best husband I can be, the best son I can be, the best friend I can be, the best, you know, all the rest of the things, relationships and identities that are important to me in my life. It helps me succeed with those. So again, my motivation for living that way, thinking that way, eating that way is, is much bigger than just my weight. Um, but intermittent fasting, again, the problem I have with intermittent fasting is the same problem I have with every diet. And to break it down, every diet, so, so that you can see it in a new way, every diet is one tactic. Every diet is a tactic because diets are really built around marketing because all, every diet is just some unique way to reduce calories. And they make it so it's one tactic because they know the people they're trying to appeal to are overwhelmed and exhausted and they just need one simple concept that they can wrap their head around. And so you get things like, well, just stop eating carbs. Just stop eating for 16 hours a day. Just eat Mediterranean food. Uh, just stop eating carbs. Or, or, I just said that. Stop eating fat, you know, whatever. Stop eating meat. Just eat meat, whatever. It's always the one thing. And it's a one tactic. It's a tactic. And there's no one tactic that's going to, Intermittent fasting, it's a tactic. Like I intermittent fast. I'm sitting there telling you, I, I usually stop eating six, seven at night and I eat the next day seven or eight. So um, I use it, but it's one tactic amongst many, 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 many tactics that creates a system and a strategy, a complete holistic strategy I have. If you're just, you've been dieting for trying different diets and trying to lose weight for 30 years and now you're just going to try intermittent fasting, it's not going to work for you most likely. Sorry to be a buzzkill, but why would it? You're not changing your mindset at all. Listen, you want to know the biggest part of mindset that needs to change is your, your identity, your self-image. You may not even realize this, you know, because you, if you've been overweight for a while, you don't like being overweight, but you're comfortable with it. You're familiar with it. And that's an important thing to realize because your brain is a prediction machine. That's its main job. And your subconscious mind loves to maintain the status quo because it helps to predict more effectively. So if you've been overweight for a while, you... Don't like it, but you're familiar with it. You know how to get by in the world as an overweight person. And so there's a lot of security there. There's a lot of comfort there. And so you changing, see, no one ever thinks of this. You just think you're going to lose weight and then turn into a different person. You're not. I, I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions and all of those people have lost weight at some point. I said, well, what happened? You lost the weight and you put it back on. What happened? And it's always some version of, I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like myself. I felt, felt weird. And that, again, comes back to the self-image, the identity we have. And so once you do get motivated, that's the first step is actually getting motivated. That's the first thing we cover in the program. The work really begins by transforming your identity. You identify, let me put it this way. Your weight is a physical projection of your mental self, right? The, the way you think about yourself is projected into your weight. And until you change that, you're never going to change your weight for long. Don't believe me? How do you think people that get fucking surgery... People that literally get surgery to shrink their stomach to this big, put the weight back on. How do you explain that? <laughs> right? So it, it ultimately, it, it comes down to how you think about yourself. And until you start working on that, the chances of you losing weight for good are very, very low. Not to be a buzzkill. <laughs> but I'm trying to point out what to really work on. Again, I'm not here to just bullshit you. I think that there's enough bullshit about weight loss. 
you know? And I like to, you know, I feel like it's a mission for me to get out here and help people legitimately, really. And I take it serious. That's why I make all these videos and this podcast. I get on every day, you know? Shit, I make a ton of money by coaching people, you know? It costs 25 grand to work with me privately. So it's like, I, I you know what I mean? Like, I, I do this because I'm really, this to me is life and death. My dad died at 54 of a heart attack. So to me, there's a lot of, a lot of meaning and intention behind what I'm doing here. I really want to help you because I want you to live as long as you can. And I want you to have the best quality of life that you possibly can while you're here. And worrying about your weight and feeling bad and constantly thinking about food and constantly thinking about weight and always trying diets and always trying to force yourself to do this shit is not a great quality of life. It's, it's depressing when you think about it. Uh, to spend your life, because I always ask my clients, I say, how, how, what percentage of the day do you spend thinking about your weight? Regular 50, 60, 70% of the time I'm thinking about my weight. You know, that sucks, man. This is your life. You just spend it thinking about your fucking weight and how you don't love it. You don't like how you look. You don't like how you feel. You don't like yourself. You're pissed off at how you ate. That sucks. You know, so that's why I do this. And um, that's why I'm not going to bullshit you. So yeah, intermittent fasting, it's a good tactic that, that better be part of a bigger overall strategy or it ain't going to work. It's the weirdest thing with, with the diet thing anyways, you know, because if you take a step back and you already know this, but if you take a step back and you're like, well, what am I really expecting? Like, what are you anticipating is going to happen? That some magical Monday you're going to wake up and you're just going to all of a sudden totally eat differently from that point forward. That's what you're thinking. And I don't know why, you know, I, I know it's a little fantasy that's put into your mind, but it's not real. And has it happened? And if it hasn't happened the last 50 times, why would it all of a sudden happen moving into the future? If nothing else changes, why would you all of a sudden just start acting different? I would, if anyone has an answer, I'm, I'm asking this legitimately. What would change in the future that would allow you to all of a sudden follow a diet forever? What would happen? I, I don't. I don't know. But but there's this. It's this delusion that people live under that that just someday I'm just gonna. I know what I gotta do. I just gotta get myself to do it, and then someday in the future I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do it. Why? Why wouldn't the same things that have stopped you in the past stop you in the future? Because you're not changing anything. Whether it's intermittent fasting or it's keto or it's paleo or it's Weight Watchers or it's low fat or, you know what I mean? Like, like I here's, here's a way to see through the diets, by the way, because uh, they're always different. So they dazzle us with the, the differences in what their theories are, you know, what the strategy is. But uh, where they all end up being exactly the same is they're always saying, do this. They're telling you what to do and they never show you or help you to get yourself to do it. And that's your main problem. The problem isn't that you don't know what to do. You know the foods and you know the shit you're doing that's the wrong shit. The problem is you can't get yourself to stop. You, you can't stop yourself from doing it. You can't get yourself to do the right stuff, which is the core problem. You have almost no ability to influence your behaviors in a long-term consistent way. And that's because you have one tool. Your one tool is willpower. You try and use willpower to force yourself to follow whatever plan you're going to try and follow. And um, it, it lasts for a little while and then you exhaust your willpower and you just go back to how you always were, your, your subconscious programming. So, yeah, don't, don't mean to sound depressing here, but it's, it, you know, if you're going to fix the problem, you got to recognize what the problem is first, you know? And the problem is not that you don't have the right plan, you know? 
eating plan. The problem is that you have no ability to influence your subconscious mind and your, your behaviors and how you think and how you feel. You know, you, you are your own best or worst hypnotist. You're up in your head. You know, that internal dialogue, you know how you're always talking to yourself. That voice is keeping you overweight. You know, what's up, Alexis? Weight loss, nutrition. Cool. Um, how do you get that cool background? Oh, this here? You don't get that? Your, your TikTok, uh, TikTok background? No, I'm just kidding. It's a picture. I don't even tell. See? I, that's why I'll tell you, it's funny. I, uh, I've been making videos for years, but it wasn't until like TikTok happened and I got to start like shooting video, like vertical, you know, and vertical is like, that was like a turning point for me. I don't know why. Cause I always love this picture, but it's like when you have like a regular shot, it's like not as, I don't know. It's not as cool. And like all of a sudden when it's like, you know, just behind me, I think it looks cooler. So thanks. I'm glad you like it. I love this. I love this thing, but it definitely looks cooler like this. And it does just like when you look at it on the wall, it's my opinion. Um, that's cool. Weight loss, nutrition. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you would know, you'd know more than anyone else, right? Again, there's knowing what to do and being able to get yourself to do it. I always use the example. If you were a robot and you could just type out what you're going to eat all day and then you just did it, none of us would have any problem losing weight. You don't have any problem losing weight, you know? So the problem is that you need to like more nutrition strategies. The, the problem is more that you don't know how to influence your, your behaviors in, in, a, in a profound way. And that's because, you know, you don't know how to influence your mindset. You know, once you know how to control your mindset, it just changes the whole process. And it's fun too, because, you know, to be honest, it's not even just about your weight. It's really like everything. You can imagine <laughs> everything in your life gets better when you start to have some ability to influence your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in, in a practical way that works, uh, changes everything up. So it's one of those uh, leverage skills that helps you in lots of different ways, you know? But yeah, be careful of the tactics, be careful of the diets, because they're usually not enough, you know, which isn't to say, like, I learned stuff from all the diets, you know, again, I, I do intermittent fast, I've learned things, I use things from keto, I, I, all the diets, when you start to understand, see, this is a big problem, too, that a lot of times we like the diets, and we just like, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it, you really ought to seek to understand the context of why those diets, like, what, what's the context of why they're saying they work, okay, so a lot of, like, the keto thing, I mean, there's going to ketosis, but really keto paleo for, for most people it's like okay it's a way to re reduce refined carbs refined carbs is a big problem it's the number one source of calories for americans you know so having some strategy that reduces refined carbs is going to be helpful to lose weight you know but they can't just say that so they got to like create this whole other thing around it and so yeah it, keto is great in my opinion because it helps you re reduce the uh the carbs and people tend to start eating more protein that's more you know satiating uh, so that's helpful too. But once you understand the deeper aspects of why it works, then you can take what works and discard the parts that don't work for you. So as keto, I don't, I'm a vegetarian or pescarian anyways. And so keto is not going to work for me, but I still take the part of, yeah, refined carbs is a problem, you know, in, in the sad diet. And so uh, we want to reduce those. That's going to help, you know? And so, but again, understand the kind of intermittent fasting. Again, it's just a strategy. First of all, I mean, it's how we ate for millions of years, food was much more uncertain. And so there were times of not eating. And it was, it's much more natural for our bodies evolved over millions of years to not have a constant supply of food, to eat, to not eat, and to have those, those clear times. And now we go in the modern world, we could eat, we wake up and eat 16 hours a day nonstop. And so I think it's really helpful to have chunks of time where you're not eating, give your body a rest. Digestion is a huge use of energy. 
And so, so, so that's valuable. And so anyway, so when you start looking at the diets, you understand the context of why they work because all the diets work if you follow them exactly. The question is, can you follow it exactly? <laughs> that's where things don't work. So if you understand, if you start developing the context for why that works, why that works, that also helps you prevent the overwhelm from all the bullshit because a big strategy these food companies use is just to fund lots of studies and just flood the zone with lots of information. You get confused. I don't know what, I don't know what to fucking do. I don't know where to start. I, this was healthy last week and now it's unhealthy. And people are just like overwhelmed and a, and a confused, overwhelmed mind is a stuck mind. doesn't do anything. And that's part of what they want. So as you seek to understand, well, why does this diet work? What's the, what's some of the, the, philosophy and the concept behind it as you start to understand that it gives you the ability to understand the new diets coming down the pike why does that work and, and again you could take the the understanding of that and then tweak it and, and make it work for you that makes sense um um alexis says yep your mindset's everything with weight management and your mentality is so great yeah thanks alexis yeah you know that i mean you know that right because so a nutrition again you can tell people what to do but, but again, the, the challenge is how do they get themselves to do it consistently? That, that's the hard part, obviously. Again, if we were just robots, you just like, you know, input in the, the nutrition plan and then they followed it, like everything would be easy. But again, there's all this mindset stuff, you know, that goes about it. What do you think about trigger foods, junk food? Yeah, trigger foods are real and there's different types of trigger foods. You mentioned junk food. Junk food specifically, I just made a video on this and, and I, I think it's so funny, but it's, we have this intuitive sense that a lot of the processed foods we eat are made in like kitchens with chefs, you know, tweaking their grandma's recipes. When in reality, they're products made in a lab by chemists, you know? And I think, I, I think with processed food, we're right like where cigarettes were in the 1950s, where there was a sense that maybe they're not that healthy. Maybe these are dangerous. And so there were, you know, studies were coming out. They knew that. But again, the cigarette companies, they flooded the zone with all their bullshit and they, they sat on those studies and all the rest of it. Um, but it ultimately came out, oh yeah, cigarettes and lung cancer. I think we're, we're right at the cusp of that. I think within the next 10, 20 years, uh, it's gonna be well known that these processed foods are literally killing us. And uh, I, I would suggest you get ahead of that, just like the cigarettes. Do a little bit of research and realize these foods, not only what they do to our bodies, you know, understand your main exposure to the world is through your digestive tract. You know, your skin's like 20 square feet of space. Your lungs, if you iron them out, are like the size of a tennis court. And your digestive tract, if you iron that out, is like the size of a football field. I might be blanking that up a little bit, but the, the, the ratios are similar. It's huge. So your main exposure to the world, let me put it this way. If, if, you, if you turned yourself inside out, your digestive tract was on the outside, like your skin, you know, you'd be this giant, <laughs> 100 feet tall, you know, person and stuff. So um, it's important to understand that, that that's your main exposure to the world. And so what you're putting in there is going to have a huge impact on you as a person. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that junk food and what it does and, and what it potentially is doing to us, it, it's scary to me, you know, and I, I really do not eat very much junk food at all. Um, and again, that, that program is just, just learn about it, just learn about it. And just like cigarettes, when you, I'll give you an example of what I mean, you know, in just to the, the levels they go to, they have a machine down in Dallas. I think it's Dallas. They, they've got a campus, Frito-Lay has a campus and, uh, there's like three or 400 chemists that work there. They've got a $40,000 chewing machine that figures out the exact pounds per square inch. That's the most addictive. You know, so I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is the level that they go to to get you addicted and to create products that are addictive that you overeat um, is far beyond anything you're imagining. And I think it's important to recognize that the food companies are the cigarette companies. And if you don't like the cigarette companies, I don't know how you feel about cigarette companies, but if you feel like they're kind of shit bags, um, 
and you wouldn't want to support them, and that's why you don't smoke, will realize that Nabisco and RJ Reynolds are literally merged. They're the same company. And the Kraft's uh, parent company is Philip Morris. So they are literally, the, the fucking food and cigarette companies are the same thing. In the 70s, they saw the writing on the wall, so they divested from cigarettes and went into food. And you can, you can trace a line. The obesity and the type 2 diabetes numbers just skyrocketed from the late 70s on. Is that because of that? I, I think it probably had something to do with it. You know, they, they use their, their philosophy of creating the most addictive product possible, use the most aggressive means possible, sitting on research as, as hard as they can. And so it's up to you. you you've got to look into this. This is your fucking life. I, I, you know, that's the thing. This isn't about losing some weight and wearing a bathing suit to the beach. This is about literally, do you want to live longer? Do you want to have a good quality of life while you're here? And so, you know, that's, that's that. What are your thoughts on savory breakfast to not stimulate your cravings throughout the day? Oh, I think that's great. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, but to that point, I would say that yes, maybe savory breakfast, but I think I like to take a step further and just figure out what foods, because that's like in Program Yourself, then we, we have an eating blueprint and it's really built around everyone's different. You know, that's just fascinating. I always talk about like, like lactose intolerance, for example. It's like almost 100% of Asians, most African-Americans are lactose intolerance because where they've lived, they just weren't cows. They weren't drinking milk. So they never developed, um, you know, the ability to produce the enzymes to, to digest it. And then if you lived, you know, white Northerners were drinking uh, milk for a long time. So they developed the ability to digest the food. So that's just one little example. So I think there's lots of this, that a lot of what we can, how foods affect us is very unique because we're all just unique creatures genetically and um, in our makeup. And so I like to take a step further and say, figure out, test, experiment. If I eat this, I feel satisfied throughout the day. If I eat this, I'm hungry right away. I've done this. I used to, you know, I used to like just eat all day long, but, um, yeah, breakfast to lunch, I would usually like have my breakfast. It would be white toast, Jif peanut butter with sugar in it, uh, cereal with sugar in it, uh, milk. And then I would, within an hour, then I'd have a donut, muffin, croissant, one of those, and then I had my lunch. And so it was it was a process of elimination, experimentation to get to the point, well, what can I eat for breakfast that satisfies me till lunch? And when you start looking at that way and you start saying, yes, yeah, savory, um, fiber, fiberful foods, um, nourishment, you know, the, the, like high, you know, whole foods, when you start putting those into your body at breakfast, and that's how I think, I think like every day you're kind of building a house with your nutrition. So I always suggest you start with breakfast and make it as healthy as you possibly can. That's the easiest meal to make healthy because that's usually the one you don't give a shit that much about. You know, every day your hunger starts down here and your willpower starts up here. It kind of goes like this. This is where people have the problem, right? But right here, you know, this is the easiest time to just really, really focus on nutrition, just nourish that body. Because um, you don't give a shit about breakfast as much as the other meals typically. And so, yeah, I agree with that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be savory. But, but yeah, probably a lot of times savory stuff is, is going to be more satisfying, you know. But I agree with that. But start paying attention. Again, it's starting to pay attention to cause and effect. If I eat this, see, a lot of people have this assumption that, oh, to lose weight, I need to be hungry all the time. The hungrier I am, the better for my weight loss. That's bullshit. You've got to manage your hunger. You know, I wake up and within an hour I'm eating and so my hunger is at a, at a good level and I'm kind of surfing, a, 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 I'm comfortable. So I'm never that hungry. So it's easier for me to make healthier choices. You know, so I, I agree a thousand percent with that though, that you really want to figure out which foods don't stimulate your cravings, wh which foods just kind of keep you kind of even keeled. I, I, I think that's really smart. Um, well, fascinating. I totally agree. The dopamine hit with cigarettes and junk food is so similar. Yeah, yeah. Cigarettes... 
you should study cigarettes. If you want to understand the food situation we're in, I think you should study cigarettes. I always say, like, if you shot me back 100 years in a time machine and I just went up to a smoker and said, hey, you shouldn't smoke, that's dangerous for you, they'd look at me like I was crazy, you know? They used to have commercials with which cigarette's the healthiest, with doctors in it, smoking, you know? The paradigm around cigarettes was completely different. And so you need to understand, and that's fucking cigarettes where you're putting smoke into your lungs and people didn't intuitively say, these are, I think these are really bad for me. You know, so you have to understand your intuitions are not, they're all, they're all conditioned by culture and, and programming. You know, you're not like this person is like, cause think about it, even with cigarettes, people like a hundred years with smoking and like not even realizing it's that bad for them. So it's the same thing happening with food. You don't realize just how damaging it is to your body. Yeah. And then the dopamine thing, don't even get me into dopamine. Um, that's a huge part of it. Even sugar substitute stimulates cravings, in my opinion. Oh, that's absolutely true, Alexis. Because think about it. Because, again, if you eat a sugar substitute, it's sweet. Well, when you eat sweet things, it's usually followed by calories, right? And so, like, you could look at a, you could look at a, um, a piece of cheesecake, and all of a sudden, your blood sugar dips because your body starts releasing more insulin to prepare for that sugar that it is anticipating, you know? So it's like, that's where your mindset is so powerful too. And so when you put some fake sugar on your tongue, A, it's stimulating your appetite because your body's getting ready to digest calories now because that's what sweet means in nature. The other piece of sugar substitute, I don't recommend it, is that it calibrates your tongue for sweet, unnatural flavors so that even if you're eating, you know, sugar substitute, there's no calories in it. Oh, this is good. Bullshit because you're eating that and it's so sweet. That's what your tongue's getting used to. So now when you go eat some normal, natural whole foods, it tastes like shit. It tastes bland and boring. And so you don't want to eat it. So you, I, I would suggest get rid of that stuff so you can start eating normal foods and start appreciating the, the differences in flavors there. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so right about the willpower at different times of the day. Yeah, right? It's totally like that. If you want to be a thin person, you have to eat like a thin person. I've heard it said. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And in order to eat like a thin person, though, you need to think like a thin person. And that's the part where people miss. That's the part that precedes it. So important. You know, and that's the part that really, again, we'll program yourself then. That's the part we focus on is really getting your thinking right because your behavior is going to belie. I, I, even my, some, most of the time I'm on track, but then sometimes I'm not on track. Okay. But I have strategies to deal with that. So you can never just, with, with weight loss, we've been conditioned to be all or nothing. We approach weight loss like it's a sprint. And with a sprint, you have to be perfect. You know, you, you can't trip at all. You're going to lose the sprint. So embedded in the idea of dieting is that this is short term race where you need to be perfect in order to succeed. And so any little mistake feels catastrophic, like a failure. Um, and so you need to change that framing and you need to start looking at this process as one that's forever. Because again, how long do I keep the weight off for? And I know you're, I know you're saying forever. So you need a strategy that, that helps you do that. And the dieting strategy is not that, you know? Um, that's why people are now putting Stevie on strawberries. Nothing is sweet enough anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. Th there's a part of mastering your weight that is training your taste buds, you know? And so um, I always say the thing, I, I don't say this too often because people freak out, but to, to be fair, there's a big part of me that I have conditioned my taste buds to more bland, natural foods, you know? I, I've let go of all the the excitement, the flavor excitement of, of a lot of processed foods because I look at it like drugs. It's I always say like, the more you tantalize your taste buds, the more you're going to have to, um, you know, loosen your belt, you know, and it's just a fact. So, you know, if you're getting your kicks in life out of putting all of these crazy flavors onto your tongue, if that's your primary source of pleasure, uh, you know, it, it comes with consequences and it makes obviously mastering your weight almost impossible. 
Um, is being a volume eater a thing or is that just eating too much? That's a good question. I don't know. What's a volume eater? Just someone who eats a lot? <laughs> is that, is, I, I don't know. That's a, I don't, I haven't even heard that. I guess I've, I've heard volume eating. Is that like, what's that mean? Is that someone that just uh, eats a lot of food and then doesn't gain weight or something? Um, so I don't, I don't know what that means. Someone who eats a lot of food, but less calories. Oh, okay. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Volume eater. Yeah. Like volumetrics. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the shit. Yeah. That, that's, that's the secret. That's definitely a thing. Um, so yeah, listen, your, your weight comes down to calories, you know, and it's, it has calories in calories out. Um, but really I, I always suggest we really program yourself is built around consuming less calories, not burning more calories. Because the exercise thing, I just started, I was talking about that at the beginning of the podcast here. Exercise comes with some some negatives. One of them being that it makes you hungrier typically. Um, it reduces your willpower because you use your willpower to exercise. Uh, it makes you sore and uncomfortable. That usually triggers you to eat more. And, uh, you know, then there's the licensing effect as well. So anyways, I, I'm a big focus on, on reducing calories. And the best way to, to reduce calories is exactly what you're saying. Um, volume eating. Yeah, I just thought of it as a volumetrics. But what, what that also comes down is calorie density of the food, you know. And so calorie density is as a cookie's this big and there's 100 calories in it. A salad's this big and there's 100 calories in it. Okay. And so the big mistake a lot of people have is they think it's the calories that are satiating them. That that's, that's where the satiety comes from. And it's not, it, the, the, it's also the volume of the food. Your stomach has stretch receptors in it. There's a lot of things that influence your, your hunger levels. Um, the stretch receptors in your stomach are one of them. So as you consume more volume, you feel more full. The next thing, and I think it's the biggest one of all is, uh, you know, cause less calorie dense foods, what are less calorie dense foods? Well, spoiler alert, fruits, vegetables, greens, beans, natural whole foods are typically a lot less calorie dense than processed foods. Because one of the things that processed food exists to make you eat as much of it as possible. And one of the most addictive things that can be in food is calories. And the calories come in the form of salt, sugar, fat. Okay. Not, not salt, but, but sugar and fat and um, the calories themselves. They've put tubes into mouse's stomachs and they've fed them food solutions. So they're not tasting it. And when they put high calorie solutions in their brains, release more dopamine. So again, you have to understand we've evolved in a food scarce environment so that our whole body and brain want us to consume more calories. This is why the experience of eating a cookie is a lot different than the experience of eating a salad, right? But you can't let that be the dictating fa factor of what you eat because yes, it's way more exciting and stimulating to eat the cookie because it has a lot more calories in it. That's why you like it. And so, uh, yeah, so anyways, e eating more calorie dense foods, really, to me, that's the holy grail of weight mastery because what do you want? You want to you wanna be able to eat and feel satisfied while losing weight, right? I mean, that's that's the secret. And so the way you do that is to eat less calorie-dense foods. So yeah, volume eater is a real thing, absolutely. Um, right. Yep, that's the best to be a high-volume eater for less calories. Yeah, that, that's totally it. I mean, I have a huge salad. Like every day, I have a big bowl of salad. You might have seen, I, it's one of the pinned videos I have. Um, but that's a huge part of my strategy. And I will tell you this, I, I knew this, I read about it and then I experienced it firsthand. But, uh, but the other thing too, let me just mention this real quick before I tell you my story here. The other thing is the fiber. This is really important too. Fiber is probably the number one thing that's been stripped out of the modern diet. And fiber is so important. And they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter because you don't digest it. Bullshit. Because what happens is you consume fiber and you don't digest it. So it stays in your intestines. And what it does is it activates the ileal and the colon break which again is another piece of feeling satisfied. 
So when your colon and intestines are full, you feel more full. And so you don't feel as hungry. That's another piece of the whole puzzle. And so um, when I, I don't know, maybe it was five years ago, and I don't remember, but I started eating salads. I read How Not to Die, and that really inspired me to eat more nutrient variety and density. And I'd been a vegetarian, but this really even made me, it was a whole nother level. And so I started consuming, you know, I, I had my old lunch, which was healthy, like Ezekiel, egg, avocado, salsa, banana with peanut butter, that would be it. But every time I ate that, I would still be hungry in the afternoon and hungry going into dinner. And I started eating a salad, big ass salad. And it took a little bit, but within a couple of months, what ended up happening is I got less and less hungry in the afternoon at night. And that was, that was amazing. I mean, to the point now, like I am not hungry at all in the afternoon. I almost never have a snack in the afternoon. And even when I go into dinner, I'm feeling very satisfied. So putting more fiber, eating less calorie dense foods, that is the secret to, to mastering your weight. Now, how do you get yourself to do that? Well, that's another story, but, but the actual technicality of eating, you know, again, the volume eating, volumetrics, less calorie dense foods, fiber, that is the easiest way, you know, um, technically to, to lose the weight. Yep. Um, it's kind of trend now I'm seeing. That's a good trend, Edie. So it's like volumetrics is good. And by the way, like that's all um, Noom is. You know, Noom is just basically, they just rebranded volumetrics. Um, and so, you know, but it's just, it's simple. It, it's, it's you know, but even volumetrics, again, understand it's just another, it's another uh, window dressing. It's just another wrapping of eating natural foods. <laughs> you know, listen, everyone on the planet should be plant-based. Everyone should be a plant-based diet person. Now you can still eat meat, but the core of your diet ought to be plant-based. And, and it's as simple as that. Um, th that's all the time. There's no question ever. There's never a study where people that are plant-based aren't always the healthiest. It's never, there's never a situation where that's not the case. Okay. <laughs> they live the longest, read the blue zones. It's always people that are plant-based primarily. And so it's simple, but we want to call it whatever framing you need to put on it for it to work for you. Fine. But at the end of the day, the more natural whole foods you eat, they grow out of the ground and look like you're eating them and they look like they look when you picked them, that's going to make you healthier and it's going to make it easier for you to master your weight. So that's a good trend. Um, hello, how do you separate eating from emotion? Oh, that's a great question. Um, th I think the way you do that, the way you separate eating from emotion is to first understand that we've been trained and conditioned in the society to use food as our number one emotional management strategy. And so what a lot of people mistake people might say, I got to stop emotional eating. No, the first thing you need to do is understand what emotions am I eating for? We typically are eating to feel emotions, but primarily to not feel emotions. So we're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, depressed, lonely, and we eat in order to take our mind off of that and feel good for a little bit. And so you want to start to recognize why are you emotional eating? When is it happening? Are you doing it when you're stressed? Are you doing it when you're lonely? Are you doing it because you feel depressed? Whatever the reason is, you start to recognize that. And then you ask this magic question. Because what people do is they say, I get rid of the emotional eating, but you're also getting rid of the emotional satisfaction you're getting from that process. You maybe use food to relax. So I got rid of the emotional eating, but now I'm ready to kill someone. That's not what we want. We want to keep the relaxation and get rid of the eating part. And the way you get there is you find out which emotions you are eating for or to avoid. And you begin asking the question, how can I feel more relaxed without food? How can I feel, so I feel lonely and I don't want to feel lonely, so I want to eat. So what are you looking for? Connection, maybe. How can I feel more connected without food? Well, maybe I'll call up a friend. Maybe I'll go out and do something. So, so again, it gets you to a real genuine solution. Because I have a phrase I always use that um, people, a lot of people are emotionally malnourished because they're using food for their emotional nourishment. 
you know? Because again, if you're if you're feeling lonely and you're eating food to avoid feeling lonely, like for that 10 minutes, that hour you're eating, yeah, you feel less lonely. But then as soon as you're done, you feel lonely again. And now you heap on top of the shame and frustration, embarrassment, all the bullshit that goes with that, you know? So it's a very bad emotional management strategy, even though it's the most common one. So again, the way you separate the emotional eating is again, start being reflective, start being aware of why am I eating? What emotions am I eating for? Don't just settle for, oh, I'm an emotional eater. What the fuck's that mean? You know what I mean? There's a million emotions. You need to understand your specifics because I promise you, there's only two or three emotional eating patterns you have. And once you understand them, then you can ask more articulate questions and find a better solution. Um, I have a craving to eat food for taste even after I'm full. Um, Carrie says, yeah, well, I'm going to guess that the foods that you are craving are processed foods. And so, you know, listen, you've got to look at processed foods like a drug. I mean, they're there to stimulate a response in you, physical, mental, and emotional response. It's like people saying like, well, how do I deal with cocaine cravings? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you probably have to start by not doing cocaine. You know what I mean? That's what these processed foods are like. I do this all the time. I don't eat really eat much processed foods, but I always find it fascinating like when I do. Um, like it's like Halloween time. I'll let myself eat candy for a week. And it's the same story every time I'll eat it for the first time. I say, oh, shit's not even good. Five minutes. Later, I'm like, are there any more of those? <laughs> you know? So it's, it's addictive on a level you don't even realize. So yeah, it has nothing to do with your fullness because you're eating foods that are built to stimulate you and get you addicted. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So there's what, what technique you're going to use. You know what I mean? It's like someone get out. Oh, I want to do cocaine, but I'm, I'm tired of the cravings. Well, what can I tell you? You know what I mean? The substance itself is addictive. So, so there's not much you can do about that. What's your take on protein bars? Um, I don't like protein bars. I don't like any of that shit. And I've done protein bars. Listen, anything that's processed, it's not going to be good for you. I don't care. I don't care if it's all natural ingredients, all the rest of it. Um, I don't want it. I'd rather have vegetables and snacks and actual nuts. I, I just want to eat things in their whole forms. Now, again, I understand if you're traveling, okay, protein bar. But a lot of protein bars have sugar in them. If they don't have sugar in them, they have things that are, the, the flavors are all over the place. They're calibrating your flavors for unnatural taste. Um, so I don't like protein bars. But um, if they work for you, cool. But uh, again, understand they're a processed food designed to get you to be hungry and eat more of them. I used to be very active, 10 hours of training per week as an athlete, but then stopped and now having issues LOL majorly. Yeah, sure. Um, like high intensity training, but now looking at different options and seeing high volume eating. Oh, I got you. Okay. Got a bunch of salad stuff today. Great job. Yeah, Edie, go, go, um, go to my, uh, my videos. Cause I pinned a video about how I prep my salads and, um, a lot of people found value in that. It's been, it's been a game changer for me. So check that out because again, it's not enough to, Oh, I got to eat more high volume food. Okay. That's great intention. That's like saying, oh, I'm going to learn to play the piano. Okay, great. That's the first step. And now you need a strategy for how you're actually going to do it consistently. That's the key part. And that'll help you that video I put up there. Um, but yeah, if you, if you put all that energy into controlling your eating, you'll get great results as well. Once I notice I'm full, I want something sweet help. I could be stuffed and still want sweets. Yeah. Okay. I get that. There's a thing called sensory specific satiety. And that's part of that. That's why like, if you go to a buffet, ever knows you can just eat so much because you don't get full. Um, and that's partly because, again, it's hardwired into us that, that I remember a story I read there, like they were watching this um, hunter-gatherer. Uh, it was modern world. They, they were watching this person who was living like a hunter-gatherer. And they, they had found an animal and, and they, they cooked it and they were starting to eat that. And then they eat some more stuff. They really stuffed themselves. And then they were walking back and they found a beehive and they ate all this honey. And so there's a thing called opportunistic veracity that we have built into us. Because again, we evolved in a situation where food was scarce. And so if all of a sudden we found an ability to find more, eat more calories in that moment, we can trigger this response. This, arr, arr, arr. And so, um, yeah, a lot of times we eat, finish, finish a meal and we're full and then we want something sweet. I have that too. 
Um, the, the secret is you don't have to stop it. You just need to come up with a better strategy. So the strategy I use is I'll use dark chocolate works for me. And so two squares of dark chocolate is very satisfying for me. I'm good with it. Um, but if I don't have that, I feel like I'm wanting it. Although I also notice if I wait 20 minutes, that goes away too. So what I'm telling you is not the specifics of what I'm saying, the process. Try different things that are less calorie dense, that are healthier, and rely on those. And, and wait till you find something that really works for you. Okay? Um, but that's normal. Staying for this answer too. I listen to your TikToks while I walk in the morning. Two miles of your voice. LOL, it helps. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Two miles of my voice. That's a smart move. Because everything I'm doing, again, I'm a hypnotist. So everything I'm saying, even here, I'm using conversational hypnosis. I'm framing things and I'm, I'm influencing your subconscious mind in a lot of ways. Uh, one thing you can listen to that I'd suggest is probably even better is I have the podcast. So if you go, it's on all the podcast platforms, but if you look up Program Yourself Then, uh, you know, I do a podcast every day, weekday. And so those are usually like an hour. And so, yeah, you hear me talk about different questions and stuff. If you if you listen to those, those will change you too. I get those all the time from people. And then if you're really serious, get my program because then there's hypnosis sessions. You listen to those and then you listen to the classes. That shit is next level. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can go to my bio and click that link there regulating your nervous system regularly yep um getting in tune with my body and emotions has helped so much i ask myself where am i emotionally yeah 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 before i eat yeah that, that's that's so much the case um i just made a video about that being able to manage influence your state where you're at before you eat is probably one of the most powerful things you could do to influence your eating and again what most people do they take a top-down approach where they just rely on willpower for everything right? You're stressed out, freaking out, pissed off, depressed, whatever, hungry, starving all over the place. You just expect that willpower is always going to be there for you to just to rely on and change your eating. It's not. You need to focus on bottom-up factors. You know, again, that's why you have a holistic approach to weight loss with programming yourself then. We want to make it as easy as possible. And again, that's where the lifestyle pieces come in. As you start living a healthier lifestyle, in the program, we got eight specific habits we go through that you implement, and it makes you more relaxed, more calm, craving healthier foods, more balanced emotionally, more willpower, you know, all the factors that make it easier to eat well. And so if you approach it strategically and in a holistic preventative way, the whole process can be way easier than you ever imagined. Do you have any books on your own we can purchase? It's really an interesting topic. Um, Natasha, I'm working on it right now. So I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to have that because uh, that's gonna be exciting. Oh, Huntington 1978. Hello. Hello. I'll definitely check you're you out yeah thank you so much you're welcome yeah you'll love it if you're listening to that that's always a program in the back of my mind i'm going to make at some point too is a walk yourself then i'm considering your classes i got to afford you lol yeah i get it i will say one thing if you don't know is i just added a version of the program that does not include coaching which i've been on the fence with but i have actually tested the program out with some people that did not do the coaching and they got really good results so i felt comfortable okay I'll offer this. So if you've been interested in the program um, and you can't do the coaching, again, I really want you to do the coaching because that's the, the most valuable part and it's the best, it's a great value right now. And it's not going to be like that for long because I have to limit how many people are in it. And right now, kind of going through a third iteration of it. And so I've, I've dropped the price on that just to get people in, but um, I, I'm going to start advertising it uh, and it will fill up and it'll be more money. But but anyways, if you don't want to do the coaching, there's a new version of it that is a lot more affordable for people. And so that's an option as well. Um, lose weight first and then try to gain muscle. Greetings from the Netherlands. Uh, lose weight first and then try to gain muscle. Yeah, that's the way I would go at it. I, You know, again, unless you could start off slow, I just think if you start gaining muscle, there's all other kind of factors with it. You know, you're probably going to be hungrier and um, there's just other 
impacts of the working out, you know, and I think those, like, I'm not saying it's bad. You know, you know, I think working out is good, but I think that also it's important to, to realize that there's other effects from the working out that are going to potentially nullify your weight loss. It's the same thing with intermittent fasting, you know, and again, I'm not saying I know. Yeah. Yeah. You regulate to it. And then all of a sudden everything's great. But for a lot of people, intermittent fasting, it's a struggle to get through the not eating phase. And then they're so hungry by the time they're eating that they're overeating. I, I can't tell you the number of people I've had that I'm intermittent fast. I'm not losing any weight. How's that possible? Well, it's possible because you're overeating when you're eating, you know, and again, it, it's a big part of it. So we always want to look at the holistic impact of things and um, working out and intermittent fasting are similar in that way that, that again, I like both of them, but they, they do have, there, there are consequences. There are, you know, systematic effects it has um, that you should be aware of. Um, so hope that makes sense. All right, everyone, I'm going to get out of here. I uh, hope you all enjoyed this. Remember, if you want to, uh, well, two things. A, you should check out my program if you're serious about mastering your weight, because I believe it's the most comprehensive weight loss program that exists. Um, you can learn all about it. But you can go to my bio, click that link, and learn about that. However, you can also, if at that page, uh, there's a link to get a free hypnosis session. That, that's a good hypnosis session. You should get that. It's designed for you to, uh, to kind of get started. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's supposed to, it, it's to kind of help you clarify the, the body you want and connect to it. So it's an inspiration session. It's, it's pretty exciting. And then once you opt in for that, there's a training three steps to master your weight. And that's really good too. A brand new paradigm for you to master your weight, which I think will be really valuable for you. So, um, you can go to my bio and click on that and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good stuff. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. That's all free. Okay. And then, uh, you know, obviously my TikToks, you know about that. I've got videos, got a bunch of new videos coming out this weekend that I'm pretty excited about. They're good ones. Uh, podcast is program yourself. Then go listen to that and make sure you like it, you know, make sure you like it. And, uh, what else? My YouTube channel is Jim Kitsoulis and I put a bunch of stuff up there. Uh, a lot of like hour long nighttime hypnosis sessions, you know, some, some different stuff that's cool up there. And, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, everyone have a super weekend and we will talk soon. Bye.